0: Hey, Blinders. On this week's episode, we discuss Warner Brothers moving their titles to streaming and theaters at the same time. We reviewed the new film, I'm Your Woman, and Wonder Woman 1984 director Patty Jenkins joins the show. Hello, Blenders, and welcome. Welcome to episode number 146 of Real Blend, a podcast that woke up to find out they were working for the worst streaming service. My name is Sean O'Connell, the managing editor here at Cinema Blend, and on this week's show, Warner Brothers is moving all of their movies for 2021 to HBO Max. But. Theaters as well, too. And we'll talk about why that's important. We are going to review a couple of films, including I'm Your Woman. Uh, and we have... <laughs> we have an awesome guest. Patty Jenkins, the director of Wonder Woman 1984, is joining the Real Blend podcast. And she was phenomenal. Kevin McCarthy of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. How good was Patty Jenkins?
2: She was amazing. And I can't wait for our audience to hear it. Because it's a, it's one of our favorite interviews that we've done. Um, and like we talk about this all the time about getting into flow when you're in an interview, like in trying yeah. to find a rhythm. And like that one just felt like it didn't feel like a, an interview it's more of like a conversation.
0: Jake Hamilton of Fox 32 in Chicago. Where would you rank the, uh,
3: the Patty Jenkins top 10 R- for sure in terms of, and, and you know, it's, it, I'm glad you brought up that flow, Kevin, because it's, it's, it's a feeling that, that is so difficult to describe to someone that doesn't do what we do. Mm. Um, but the, the, the best way I can describe it is that we all plan ahead of time what order we're going to go in and what questions we're going to ask. And I think one of the coolest feelings is halfway through an interview, despite the fact that we planned things, one of us sort of, you know, kind of calls an audible. And starts doing something different, yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. It, and and for three people who knew each other, who maybe didn't know each other as well, maybe three people that are less experienced in this profession, it could kind of t- you know topple the dominoes and things could start falling apart. But we all know each other so well, and we all click together. So I know I'm I'm blowing our, I'm blowing smoke <laughs> up, up, up up our own podcast. Yeah, but like it's such a cool feeling to feel like like you fully trust the other two people in this podcast to go like. Oh, I don't know where he's going with this, but I like it. And I'm gonna. And when and when he's done, I'm gonna take the baton and go my own direction. It's 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 a hard thing to describe, but it's the coolest feeling, and it's only the result of doing 146 episodes of this show.
0: 146. Well, if by now, uh, you guys know that if you're watching us on YouTube, first off, thank you very much. Uh, while you're on the YouTube channel, please hit subscribe, uh, turn on notifications. If you're listening to us, where you get your podcast needs served, uh, we have descriptions down in the. Well, we have details in the descriptions, thank you, that will tell you how to head over to find our YouTube channel and you guys can join up and watch a lot of the stuff. I'm sad about Patty. We don't have a video for her, uh, just the audio that went with it. Um, But you can find a lot of our other stuff archived, some really great video interviews, and we have a couple of really cool ones planned as well too. Uh, If you're looking for stuff to purchase for a film fanatic this holiday season, head over to cinemablend.com backslash Shop and pick up some Real Blend merchandise, T-shirts and mugs, and some other really cool stuff. So let's get into this week's episode. Uh, we normally at this point do the weekly poll, uh, but we're going to throw the poll results and the conversation on the topic uh, to after the interview a because we really want to get to uh, patty um but we were talking to her if we thought uh, in the poll we talked about whether we thought wb's decision to go to hbo max uh, for 2021 was the right one or a potential disaster and um patty's movie is one of the ones that's that's kind of directly affected by this decision and while we don't really get into it with her as a topic of conversation wonder woman 1984 is really going to be a pioneer trailblazer and to experiment with how these movies are going to figure out how to do streaming and theater uh and so and and i want to emphasize too that we do not get into spoilers with her regarding the the movie i think we knew going into it that we were going to try to run it early we didn't want to ruin any of the surprises that come with the movie uh and and just really the sort of... of
3: which there are plenty
0: there are a lot that have not been revealed by the marketing. And so and she's also just so much fun to talk to in terms of uh, her initial movie, the things that she was doing for the sequel, her involvement in the DCEU. She's just a great conversation. Um, so without further ado, uh, Patty Jenkins, uh, the director of Wonder Woman 1984 on
4: the Real podcast.
0: Hi, guys. Hi, Patty. So good.
2: Hello, to Patty. Good to see you. Good to see, you. Good to so good see you, Patty. See you guys. We are Steve. so
0: thrilled to see you.
4: Oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so great. Look at you guys. Nice to see you all.
0: Um, Good to see we, you. All three of us loved the movie, Patty. It blew us away.
3: Thank
4: we, you. Uh, and if we don't just...
3: like a movie, we just sit here awkwardly and start the interview. We just don't say anything. <laughs> Can
4: I tell you literally how weird it was to make the movie and then it just went and then I went in, I finished the movie and it went into lockdown the next day. Right. And then just radio silence for an entire nine months of like, Uh nobody saw it until Friday. And I was, it was so weird because you have no idea to like see people's faces and you're waiting to see if they do the.
5: Oh, so it's a a film, it exists.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you've been working, you know, whatever. Thank God, thank God. Well,
0: listen, I'm gonna pick it up from there and basically just start right in with this too, because so often with pictures like this, with these tent poles, directors are racing to hit a release date, you know, or a, a predisposed uh, timeframe, a deadline. Uh, and and every time we talk to a filmmaker, they always say, I just wish I had more time.
4: Yeah, totally. You had too
0: much time. Um. So how did you utilize, did, did you go back in and, and consist, consistently tweak, or did you lock it,
4: picture lock it and leave it alone? I'll tell you the only thing that really changed, it was not COVID. What happened was when they we originally had set that it was going to be a June release date when I first started thinking about it. And I was shooting a, a show at the same time. All of a sudden the studio announced that we were moving to the beginning of December and that was going to be significantly less time than we had to do the first movie. And I was like, you got, why would we do this? Like, why would we do this? It's we're going to run out of time and your effects and everything. And so the first date change was actually, so we started shooting in fast. And I had to be pulled off my show and I couldn't do the whole thing and you know, And so um, the first date change from the Christmas to summer was what we were begging for. We were Mm -hmm. like, just give me time. But what it ended up affording us was having a window where we're supposed to be done with the movie in November. So that period of time did do something crazy because I finished the movie and then they said, well, okay, we think it's a little too long. So if you have any ideas or anything you want to try. So what was cool is my editor and I came back to LA and we just tweaked with it and messed around with it and thought of things. And we were able to then make some improvements and go back in. And I got Hans to redo some score, but that was, that was totally done by January, February. Mm -hmm. And so we, I, it was magical to have the chance to make the movie that we wanted to make. And when I walked away from it, like, you, you know, there, there's no ask for my cut of this film. This is it. I mean, I wish it was 20 minutes longer because that's I'm a director. You know? But it would be 20 minutes of exactly the scenes you're seeing. Nothing would change. You know, it would just be more jokes or whatever. Gotcha. Gotcha.
2: You know, Patty, the last time I, I had the chance to speak with you was the first Wonder Woman, and we were talking about shooting on 35mm and how beautiful film is, and you can see the grain swimming. It just it, It's such a beautiful piece of uh, medium. It's just a beautiful thing to do, and you shot 65mm IMAX this time around, which I believe this is the first time you've shot in that format and I wanted to ask uh, what scenes were used for that because I, I saw the film in theaters and then I saw it on a screener link but I have not had the chance to see it in the IMAX version yet the 143 so I wanted to ask what scenes you shot in IMAX and also like you know with someone like Chris Nolan did you have a chance to speak with him about his use of 65 millimeter IMAX cameras because I know he's been interesting about the idea of you can't get a ton of dialogue scenes done that way because the cameras are so loud
4: they're loud I've talked to Chris about it a lot Chris and I are friends and Chris and I had a conversation that bored people to tears when we were at Cannes when I was first shooting Wonder Woman and he and I started to push the camera and uh, okay so so, how would you and uh, all these everybody just drifted away from us they were like wow this is super dull.
3: Those conversations belong on this podcast. I I would have you would have seen
2: me run towards you guys. I would have ran towards (laughs) you. That's what
4: I mean and I was fascinated because he's having a different experience and he knows so much more about it and then I knew had experienced other things and so yeah, it's great, and he and I have had some great house on fire conversations. Where you, only to another director can you get in the, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, the niche of like these detail, detail, details. Um, and I like Chris a lot. So, but but it was there. It's a very complex medium. It, the sh- scenes we shot were the beginning and the end, and so oh. the whole the whole all the beginning action and all of the end, the Christmas scene is all you know, and that so. It, it is a tricky format. They're big cameras. They're very hard to move around very fast. They're hard to do certain things with. But boy is the footage just lush and gorgeous. Just yeah. incredible.
2: There's nothing, I mean, I think it's the highest quality image I've ever seen, is the, uh, especially when you watch it on a, on a Blu-ray and you see the transitions, it's incredible. So uh, will, um, will the HBO Max have the transition, the aspect ratio transitions? I'm talking
4: about it right now. So I'm doing all kinds of elaborate tests to see what is the very best quality we can put out there and what would it look like on every single medium. So that, I mean, that's a fascinating thing to sit there and be like, if you run it through this, if you run it through that, if you, what, like which ver- do we put out the Dolby vision version? Do you put out the non-dolby, you know, like what looks the best on home televisions? It's like a frontier what, that we're going through, you know?
3: Can't wait. Patty, I have a sort of a chicken or the egg question because I love how much the villains sort of support the story and the story support the villains. So I'm sort of curious as a storyteller, do you pick the villains that you want and then find a story that justifies their existence? Or do you pick the story and then go, okay, which villains fit within this story so that it makes sense?
4: I think it, I think it depends. It's different. We, I decided I wanted Cheetah, Mm -hmm. right? Because that just seemed like the most fun, even though it was the most daunting and terrifying. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, I wanted Cheetah and I was dead set on doing that. But as the story started to evolve, we realized we needed Max Lord, you know? And so then once we got Max Lord, then it it was like, oh, then the two of them. And then how does that work? And then it became, what I loved about doing this is that every character in the movie goes, except for Steve, goes through the same arc. Mm -hmm. Like they're actually going through different versions of the same struggle. Mm -hmm. And Steve is 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 the only one who's outside of it trying to make them think about what what's happening but they don't want to hear it. You know, none of them want to hear. It. I lo- so I love that about it.
0: Um I'm glad you brought up Steve because I want to sort of transition to him if we could. Um we see, when you see in the marketing materials that Chris is back, you're like, "Oh, that's great because they were a lot of fun together." Yeah. But what what were those initial conversations like cuz you you do kill him off at the end of the first movie and that has to mean something, you know? So was there trepidation of just like, sure, of course, it will be really fun to bring him back because their chemistry is great. But what were some of the things that you guys talked through about, like, is the audience going to make this leap with us? Of course, we want him back in the ensemble, but from a character perspective.
4: It didn't happen in that order. I, I don't think I ever, as much as I wanted Chris back, I never would have put him in because I wanted to. Okay. Like mm-hmm. I, it actually was born of the story mm-hmm. that if you're thinking about what what are the things that, you know, like just how the whole plot works, I don't want to spoil it, but it's yeah, like, yeah. but but it evolved naturally from the story. And then I believed I could pull it off. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I feel like every movie I've made, this is a funny thing. We'll see if it ever changes. Every movie I've made, the general consensus was that something was stupid and not going to make sense or work. And you mm. just have to not care. Like we were the laughing stock the entire time I made Monster. Everybody was like, "You really? You got Charlize Theron plan wow. The whole time, you know? And then when we were making Wonder Woman, everybody didn't think that that would work. And so you have to just have faith that, that all of that, if you pull it off, all of that goes away when the movie comes out. If it makes sense. And I felt like it made sense.
0: Right. When you told Chris, was he surprised? <laughs>
4: Yeah, I told him early <laughs> on enough that he was. Yeah, he was happy. I'm happy that people are seeming like they like that it, they're realizing. Oh, yeah, that does make sense. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. and, Pine, and Pine, no, no, Pine is wonderful in the film. I, I loved him in the film. Um, this I'm gonna ask this question completely out of context as to where this is in the film because I noticed it the second time I watched it. I noticed Gal Gadot's family uh, in the film. I, I believe her husband and her daughter. Um, and that's I wanted my to-
4: son, and that's my son that she's playing with. My son's in the movie three times, playing three different characters. Because, okay. because of necessity, so the person playing snowballs with Alma with with was, it was Gal's daughter is my son. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, great. How, how, so how did that
2: how did that work? Like how does that work out when you end up getting her husband and daughter in in the scene? Does it does it happen on the day or is it planned?
4: We planned it. We wanted to get them in there, and then it just ended up being. Is part of the reason we kept the Christmas scene was because oh. it. It was so poignant. It makes me cry when I see it because of what the scene's about. And then to see our own children. And we go on this journey making these films ourselves where we're like, what is it really all about? What does it really matter? So to kind of bring it all home for her and her eyes, looking at these beautiful children that are actually hers is like, it's, it's just such a special good, good eye. I don't even know how you recognize them. That's so great.
2: I'll tell you how and the only reason this is the only reason I knew it is because I was I follow Gal Gadot on Instagram and one day she posted a photo of her husband I didn't had no clue what her husband looked like and then he comes across the screen and that's in that circular motion I'm like wait is that him so when I watched it the second time I'm like oh that's definitely him and I checked it on Instagram so that's the only reason I knew it so.
4: So that's our special little Easter egg to ourselves. And it really is, it is poignant and emotional for us. And in the first movie, my husband and my son are at Trafalgar and, and you see the two of them <gasps> celebrating. So it's it's fun to get them in there in these special places. It's
3: awesome. Cool, I love, that. I love that, it made that. me cry, yeah. Um, um, yeah. After the movie was over, I did what I am now trained to do, which is sit through the credits and wait for a post credit scene to which there was not one. Um, so I was curious, is there, is it one of the, cause sometimes, you know, when we get to see a movie early, when we would do the junkets and stuff, yes. it just wouldn't be included. Is there going to be one in theaters? And I, So there is, and we just didn't get it. Yes. So what is it? Exactly. Is that a decision uh, ahead of time? Like, okay, the press is getting movie ahead of time. They're getting plenty. They don't need to see the put. Like let's let let the general audiences have something.
4: Yeah, let that be something to save for the audience. Just for God forbid somebody writes about it, you're like, sure. Well, then what fun was it? You know, sure. now we should have just attach it to the end of the movie. Yeah. But
0: it'll be on the streaming version or just the theater version. Both. Both.
4: Streaming as oh, well. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. You should use it to lure people into the theaters. I mean, that's the way to do it.
4: I know that Ooh. would be smart. I know, but yeah. it's not. We can't do that with COVID right now. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like you sort of like too yeah. many people can't. So. Yeah.
0: All right. I want to get um, super technical and nerdy about something that I think I heard. Um, and this is in the um, scene that's referenced in the trailer. So I'm not giving away any spoilers, but it's during the Cairo um, car chase scene, essentially. Amazing all the
2: scene. Are
0: and you. when I'm watching that scene play out, I'm a little bit thinking to myself, like, Ooh, this is a Raiders of the Lost Ark homage. <laughs> and then I heard what I could only describe as Indiana Jones's punch. When, when Steve is punching a guy who pops up out of a tank. Am I reading way too far into that or did I hear what I thought I heard?
4: The sound? The sound and if it's an homage. Um, I, I think it is not as literally an homage as you might hope, but it okay. is an homage in the fact that, that he, his character is who we based Steve on. So Steve is playing Indiana Jones in the first, like that's a huge influence oh, wow. on the first movie. Okay. Is I always said when I was thinking about, you know, how easy would it be to have uh, Wonder Woman have some benign and lame boyfriend? Right. You know, and that's, and, and by the way, oftentimes in the comic books, that's how it was. It was like mm-hmm. Steve Trevor was just like vanilla Kendall, right?
5: Mm-hmm.
4: So my whole thing was always like when I was talking about casting and even when I was, you know, like, Trying to make this a role that I loved, I was saying like, no, no. Imagine if if Indiana Jones met Wonder Woman. The greatest thing about it is Indiana Jones would not be like emasculated and freaked out, nor would he be vanilla. He'd be like, all right, you go. Okay, you go. You go fight. <laughs> you go. Like, he's just practical <laughs> enough. He'd still be badass, and he'd still be macho, and he'd still be cool. But in certain places, he'd be like, I think you should take this one. Go. You know. <laughs> he just has that pocket. So Chris and I would talk about that all the time, like. You don't. You have to just be intrigued by her, but you're is plenty a man yourself, and so Chris is very much influenced by that. So I'm sure he did. He probably he did model that after it.
0: Okay, but you didn't use the Foley sound of a punch of an indie punch.
4: Uh, we very easily did. There are a couple of those sounds that are like universal that okay. we love to throw back to. Okay. You know, to other movies have used like the scream. There's a scream mm-hmm. that people have done so sure, many times. Sure. The The Wilhelm scream. Yes, yeah, exactly. exactly. So we put that in there too somewhere. I can't remember where, but we, you know, it's like throwing those guys. My mixing team is like epic, legendary, great guys. So they they do all kinds of things. So easily, it is the same sound for all.
0: Then I'm going to choose to believe that that's
2: what it is. (laughs) (laughs) So so Patty, we're we're three best friends who started this film podcast uh, a couple years ago, and we just and this is all we do. We just sit on here and we nerd out about movies all day long. And one of the and one of the things we do, we, we play a game sometimes called, and our show's called Real Blend, so we'll say, like, we played a game recently called Needle Drop Blend, which was like finding the best time a music note hits in a, in a movie. And I thought there were two in your in this film that blew my mind. Um, and I wanted to ask you about the usage of uh, the Adagio in D minor uh, moment. I messaged you about that because I, I just found that to be so brilliant. And But it, but it was awesome emotionally. It, I mean, I had chills on my arms i'm so Uh, glad you know what i'm so
4: glad kevin i'm so glad that you knowing the track and knowing where it's from that it still worked for you because that was something i struggled with is i know that track so well so that was our temp i put that temp in and we just put the temp in and hans is such a fucking genius that hans is like always the first person to be like he like tried something, but then he's like, but that's better. (laughs) And he loves it. And he was like, that track is amazing. And it's so perfect for this place. Like, why are we taking it out? Let's just do that track. You know? So it was actually Hans who, who, who really was like, I don't think, I don't want to, I don't want to go after that. That's better. And I don't want to just end up mimicking that. And that's so great for what it is. Let's just license that song. And so that was what we did. I so appreciate it. Here's the funny thing. That scene is I cut that scene a thousand times. I have an oh. Avid, I edit myself and I have an Avid in my room and I did 40 versions to pitch to my editor like of it because, because hitting the right pocket of momentum and emotion, the, this, the music has to have speed and momentum and be very present and emotional. And that song is like this rare triumphant thing that also holds so much gravitas. And yet it, it's got, a, it's got drive to it and edge. Like the 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 yeah. you know, and so it's just a great song. I love that song. Thank you. I appreciate that.
2: I love that. And the second one, I know, I'm sure you've already talked about it, but was was the was, the, was the, the BVS score that popped in there at one point as well, which I loved. And again, that's like from the because I'm a huge Snyder fan. I love Man of Steel. I love Batman vs Superman. The, the unrated cut as well. But but dropping that in like that because that's from the opening of BVS and kind of Batman's theme as well. So talk about using that specifically
4: too same thing we cut it we cut to it when we were editing and then same thing where hans was like but i wrote that song for yeah. this universe so why aren't we using it that's what you do with themes he's like Th- themes and things you can change why let's just use it and so same thing where it really was it was so perfect and we cut to the rhythm of it exactly so then it was just, you know, it was great. It was true. It's like, yeah, we're in that's what we're the DC universe. We we should reuse great scenes.
0: Patty, I awesome. screamed when that music played. Oh, I really?
3: screamed
0: <laughs> when that music played. And I Wait,
3: know I, Sean well enough yeah. to know that he actually probably literally did scream.
0: Oh my god.
4: So <laughs> oh, that's good. so funny. That's so great. <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: It was great. Uh, that's great. You know, Gal as Wonder Woman in this film has multiple great moments with children, with young actors. And when every time I saw one of those moments, I thought, like, how great it must be for, for that young actor on set when she when there are young actors like that on the set and she walks out in in the full incredible wonder woman outfit the costume what are their reactions whoa how do kids react
4: it's so great oh my god it's so great and when there are set visits first <laughs> of all let me tell you that if you see gal dressed up as wonder woman for in real life there's not an adult that's not sort of like here's wonder woman you know, it's like it's so Incredible. And she looks so incredible as Wonder Woman. And so when she rounds the corner, it's just watching kids, they're just, they're in such awe and they can't stop looking at her and t- and they're afraid of her, you know, even though she's the best at disarming it, it's incredible. I remember we went to a children's hospital together and Gal is such an unbelievable person watching her see kids get scared and she would just come sit down and start playing Play-Doh next to them, which makes uh, me cry even talking about it. And she would just not look at them and they wouldn't look at her and she'd talk and then soon they would soften. She's just amazing at this. Like she really takes the time every time and she comes to them however, and she means it. Like she never doesn't see my son that she's not like, Ace how are you, you know, like really connects with him. She's such a good person. She really is. Yeah. She's Wonder Woman.
0: I got to love that The one of the themes that sort of gets pushed forward in this film too is that she is um, socially reserved, you know, that she limits herself kind of thing. And there's a, a scene very early on where she's eating out and you take the time to she's like, no, I'm not waiting for anybody. And the waiter clears the table. And my wife was watching the movie with me and she was like, oh, my heart breaks. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm sure you did. That little bit of jealousy, like I'm sure she's really having a hard time.
4: Well, that was actually why I, I included it. There was a lot of conversation where people were saying, can't you cut when she walks around the corner and, is, and the cab thing? And yeah. I was like, no, you have to understand that it's not that nobody likes Diana. Of course people liked, everybody likes Diana. You have to see that it's her. That she's, that. so if, when you have just the dining table scene, you might think I'm trying to feel sorry for Diana. Yeah. Whereas what I wanted to show was that he's like, hey, I'm a nice guy. You And she's like, no, thanks. You know, she yeah. keep, keeps everyone at an arm's length. Um, yeah, Patty, that's how it I played. I wanted to ask really fast
0: about um, when you were making the movie initially, you were part of, and the sequel was supposed to be part of this DCU when it was a connected universe. Yeah. And it feels like, Uh, D.C. has gone in a way where you've been able to sort of branch apart and be separate. Um, But as soon as I posted my review, I got a a ton of messages from people who were like, how does it connect? You know, where does it weave in to the Justice League and the movies that came before it? Yeah. Knowing what happened on Justice League, did you even go back and take a look at the theatrical cut to see how Gal was handled in that? to no. make this match at all or do you really just think it's in in universe with yours the justice league the yeah the one that hit theaters
4: no i think that all of us dc directors tossed that out it, it, just as much as the fans did that that but also i felt uh that that version contradicted my first movie in many ways mm-hmm. and this current movie, which I was already in production on. Right. So then what are you gonna do? I was like, you, you, we, you would have to play ball in both directions in order for that to work. So the only thing I've done and, and tried to always do is, is when I knew when Zach was doing Justice League sort of where she ends up. And so I always tried, like I didn't change her suit because I never want to contradict. I, I don't want to contradict his films, you know? Sure, sure. But yet, I have to have my own films, and he's been very supportive of that. And so, I think that that Justice League was kind of an outlier because I don't know they were trying to turn one thing into kind of another, and so then it becomes like I don't recognize half these characters. I'm not sure what's going on.
0: Yeah, it must have been strange to see a, a character who you helped envision and bring to life. You know, well, I don't know if you even saw it, but it was unusual. It was unusual. Yeah,
4: it was hard. It was hard. Yeah.
0: You know, Patty,
2: uh, I was uh, earlier today, I had the chance to speak with Kristen Wig, And uh, one of the things that I was fascinated to learn about was uh, when she was doing the performance capture moments with Gal in, in the gold costume, um, the, the dots on her mocap suit were picking up the imagery of the gold and they, they had to be placed in a certain way in order for it to shoot it. Can you talk about the, the performance capture of that sequence and kind of how her suit actually kind of played into what you
4: did? Can I tell you what is the last thing you would want to give a DP? A mirrored suit. (laughs) Like a mirror, a hundred percent mirrored suit that reflects absolutely every light and the camera at all Mm times. Matt Jensen was like, Oh my, I oh my God, Patty, are you serious? You know? But um so it made all kinds of things. That whole sequence was so hard because first of all, I'm so grateful now, but finding the right blend of prosthetics and CG to make that transformation was like it took a ton of R and D. It started from the day I started it and we didn't complete it until the day we finished. It was so complex trying to wow. pull off that character. And I was, I would lose so much sleep over it, honestly. Cause I was like, it could go so wrong. First thing I did when I got onto the movie is they said we can do this all CG, you know, we can put hair on people. And I was like, show me the best example of that. And I saw it and I was like, that's not good enough. If that's where our technology is, that is not good enough.
2: What was the best example they showed you?
4: Uh, Cat. it was, cats. no, cats, <laughs> cats was shooting on the stage next to us. And I knew that they were going through the same thing. And then I heard that they were like, you know what, they're just going to do it in CG. And I was like, I hope it works out for you. you know, like, <laughs> But, um, yeah, I've never been so thankful for the process that I went through, but I think it was, it was in part, it was animal stuff. It was like all the different animal, like, but I think Paddington, I think is actually a really good example of it. Oh, yeah. But it was, it was, a, there were a couple of things where you're trying to put fur directly on human beings and it just looks silky and fake, you mm. know? So it was like, I didn't want Kristen's face to become some animated bizarreness. So then we ended up doing tons of prosthetics, real work and only took over certain parts of her body. And the rest of it is prosthetics
2: wow it looks amazing it looks amazing thank you
4: thank you You
3: know patty because we are now as an audience so spoiled with binge watching things watching one thing and immediately being able to press play on the next i was so selfish in that as soon as i was over finished with the movie last night i'm ready for the next one like i i i I know you you haven't even started talking about this one um and you know but we also live in a world where you know one eye is on what we're talking currently and one eye is on the future have you started at all thinking about what the third film would be? And are you more interested in telling stories of Diana before she meets up with the rest of the gang? Like like, like 1984? Or would there ever be a story that's hers post all of that?
4: You know, it's interesting. So I actually came up with a story and Jeff Johns and I beat out an entire story for Wonder Woman 3 that we were super fired up about. Mm -hmm. But I've never felt this way b- before, as much as I do now, I sort of, ha- I don't think I'm doing it next. And so I, I sort of have to wait and see where we are in the world. You know, it's interesting, like what I wanted to talk about in this film was very prescient to what I was feeling and what you were kind of feeling was coming. So now I'm not sure, so much has changed in the world. I still love the story that we came up with. I'm sure that parts of it would, would come over to it, but it, it, it's very interesting to try to, I'm trying to say, don't, don't decide. Don't fall in love with anything. Mm. See, what what would Wonder Woman do now? You know, like, sure, what are you craving Wonder Woman to do in this world?
3: That's fascinating.
0: Um, Patty, we're getting close to running out of time. We're going to run through maybe just some other quick ones. Um, this one has so much more lasso work. Uh, and I would assume that that is a lot of fun, but also incredibly challenging. And if you could just talk about the Choreography of bringing that to life because it's such a unique weapon to her, you know, such a unique tool, and you seem to be having a blast with it. To to pick it back on what Jake was saying, like they told us we had a four hour window to watch your movie, and I woke up this morning and I put the app on and it was still working, so dude, I watched it again. Don't tell her that I want to rewatch it before they so shut it down. I watched it again. No, no, no. I okay. watched it again today. They're <laughs> gonna <could I> shut <laughs> it down now. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> no, it still works. It
4: still works. Amazing! <laughs> that's so great that you. That makes me so happy. So so happy. Um, Yeah, no, you know what part of the fun is in all of these movies, I remember somebody saying to me when I first talked about doing Wonder Woman a long, long time ago, because this was year. I told them I want to do Wonder Woman in 2004. And so it's just been off and on. I've been talking to them for years. Somebody said something about her not being cool or something about her not being cool. And I was like, they're all not cool till somebody makes them cool. You think Superman or Batman on the page was super cool in the 50s? You know, like it's like and so. Part of my sport and challenge is to always look at those things like a lasso is kind of could be seen as not that cool, but really getting into like what's cool, like the deflecting of the bullets and all of these different things like what could you do with this magic lasso. I just loved playing around with. Yes, there was not one thing in this movie that was not super complex and really hard and difficult and a pain in the ass for everybody involved. So that was one of them.
5: (laughs) Yeah,
2: and Patty, by the way, they're wrapping us. Our 100th episode of this show was done in Georgetown uh, at a movie theater. And to see Georgetown the way you put it on screen, I just wanted to say thank you. As somebody who lives in D.C., the Monument Walk, everything you did, it was just absolutely captured DC, the Metro. I mean, it was just amazing. So thank, thank you for metro. that.
4: Oh, great. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I used to live there. So I I, I love DC and, and remember it fondly. Mm.
0: Patty, thank we you, are Patty. so thrilled that you gave us the time. This has thank been you. A, a, a gift. Thank you so much. We love the film.
4: This has been the funnest, funnest interview. So thank you guys. You guys are real uh, fans. It's so fun to talk to you guys. It's, it's great
0: oh, to see you, we'll, by the way. Let's have you back on when
4: you have time. Mm, me too. I would love to. Anytime. Okay. Thank you, Patty. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Patty. Bye. Right, guys. Bye now. Bye.
0: bye. We cannot thank Warner Brothers enough for giving us time, not just time, but 30 minutes uh, for a full-on conversation. And it
3: flew by. Didn't, didn't you feel like, he, like it went like that? Like I feel like I looked up and I was like, oh, well, we, we're we done.
0: Yeah, I know. And the, the, that's the thing with Patty, is that there's so many things you can get into. It was sure. funny, as soon as we got off with her... I brought up a topic that is very, very spoilery. And I was like, it's so cool that we didn't even have to like bring that up. We never even yeah. mentioned that topic. Cause there was so much, there's so much it.
3: other stuff to talk about.
0: And Warner brothers has been so good to this show. Like, I really do want to mention the fact that yeah. when they have a great director, um, one of the things first, one of the first things they do is come around and say, like, it was very funny to get the email from our Warner brothers contact and say, like, would you guys be interested in having patty on the show, on the show? A good. yeah i think we can make that work that should be fine so <laughs> this episode of real blend is brought to you by marvel strike force marvel strike
6: force is a mobile squad rpg that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like dr doom and apocalypse
0: Uh, part of the reason why I think that she's so fascinating is because she's right in the thick of this topic, which is going to be our weekly poll. And we're going to get into, um, because some of it even developed after we did this case. Um, the weekly poll was WB's decision for 2021 is, and I gave you two options, the right one or a potential disaster. Now, if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, there was news that broke that Warner brothers is going to, for now, uh, go day and date. With their full slate for 2021, where movies are going to go to HBO Max um, and they're also going to be able to go to theaters where theaters are open and safe. Um, For now, it's the full year. I was having a conversation with somebody today that, I mean, they could just as easily because of the before we go too far down into the weeds, because the idea that there's a vaccine coming and because things could turn you know quicker than expected we could get to the point where we're in the middle of 2021 and people feel more comfortable going and warner brothers could very easily i think at that point say okay the back half of our slate is gonna not go to hbo max like which is arguably the bigger half well it's dune and dune and and
3: depending on on uh you know let's say where the split is potentially in the heights potentially king kong versus godzilla
0: so a lot of big titles. So yeah. Kevin, hmm. we put it to the blenders and gave them the two choices. WB's decision for 2021 is did they say the right one or a potential disaster?
2: Uh I mean I I mean I have mixed feelings personally on this, but but if we're talking about our our listeners, I'm gonna say potentially a disaster.
0: Seventy-one percent of our listeners said the right one. They said it's hmm. the right one. So let's get into the conversation. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to take that side. I'm going to take the side that I think right now it's the right decision. Um, because I believe in this, I think when theaters are open again at their full strength, that movies are a strong enough draw that they will become events again, that they will, that they will lure people out of their houses that people will still get excited to go see big screen entertainment again. And I just feel right now it's not safe enough to do that. But I do understand the concern that people are saying that if things go to digital or, or home video, it's hard. It's going to be harder to make that pivot back to the middle. Um, I The thing that concerns me is that I don't know if the existing theater chains can survive financially until we get to that point. And I know that they are lobbying really hard through organizations like NATO, not the political NATO, but the theater NATO, uh, to get government bailout and get assistance and and to help bridge between that point. But I'm choosing, and maybe it's naively, but I'm choosing to be optimistic in saying that when we get through this rough period, and, and we are to the point where people can go on a global scale, can go back to theaters and feel safe doing it, that those big pictures that we discussed on Warner Brothers slate on Disney slate if Disney ends up going down this way that they will be big enough to lure people back but Kev you said you would go the opposite direction you think that this might be too hard of a pivot
2: no 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 no. I mean like I've I've been sitting on this a lot to be honest with you um so I've kind of gone through a very different range of emotions when the when the Wonder Woman news dropped that's when I was like genuinely worried like like Mm -hmm. that when that when that first story hit that Wonder Woman 1984 was going to HBO Max uh, and theaters same day. I, I I was you guys were on the text thread. I was like what is going on? I'm like super worried about this. And I just started looking really more into what it means from an overall perspective when the 2021 slate went to HBO Max and theaters in the same day. Um you know, th- there's positive side of it is they're still releasing it in theaters. Um and they're finding a way to put out entertainment and content to the widest audience that feels the safest either going to a theater or staying at home. I think my concern is more on Nolan's uh side about filmmakers and mm-hmm. and the work that they put into these movies for theatrical experiences mm-hmm. and the fact that their work is now automatically going to a streaming platform and theaters day of, which you really know that if some if a family is at home on a weekend, they're probably gonna stay in the house and watch it on their television. Again, sure. we we're massive theater advocates. I saw Wonder Woman eighty four in theaters and at home just so I can get the the dueling perspective of it. Um, I, but I made it a point to go to a theater to see it because I wanted to see it in the theater immediately. Um, I just I'm I I, I don't have a definitive way I feel about this right now. I'm, I'm not I'm not yay or nay on it. I understand the perspective. I just wish personally I think they could have held the films. That's just me. I do think that uh, a lot of these movies, the Dunes of the world, the Matrixes, uh, the bigger format films, especially Patty Jenkins' movie, I I, I I, just, I'm under the thought process that those should have been held. Um, you know, I really you know, do. Yeah.
0: What I find really interesting, too, in our, in our conversation with Patty, she talked about all the different decisions that have to go into uh, post-production work on your movie when it's going to be shown at home. Kevin asked about aspect ratios and she said, we're negotiating right now in terms of how that's going to appear. So interesting. Now think about that from a perspective of somebody who like, let's use Matt Reeves as an example, who's in production on the Batman, right? Does he do work to think that his movie is going to be in a theater or does he do work to think that it's going to be shown at home?
2: I think Reeves will still shoot the movie the way he's going to shoot it. I mean, there is a uh, home video is an interesting thing. Like, you know, Tenet's coming out next week and, you know, that they were able to format that Blu-ray to hold on to his IMAX aspect ratios. So, one of the big questions that well, I'm curious about is will the Wonder Woman 84 uh, HBO Max version have those shifts? And yeah. it is interesting because everybody has different televisions. They have to format it for everybody's home viewing. Yeah. Um I mean, it's this this decision is really it's it's kind of like a it's heartbreaking, but I also get it. But I so I, for, for me, it's like I understand the perspective of like getting a movie out to audiences during a tough time in the world. Sure. people want it to be entertained. Wonder Woman is that is that kind of movie that would bring people together. It would create positivity. It would be a conversational thing. So I, I, I'm not gonna sit here and be a film snob. Personally, and say this is the worst decision ever. I, I I understand it completely from a business perspective. I just I just feel like I feel I just feel bad for the filmmakers who shot their films for the theatrical experience, and that people are going to have the option to watch it on the day. And I think that it does somehow take away a little bit of the special nature of a film's release.
3: Jakey, where are you? I you know I I'm also with Kevin that I'm of two minds about it. I I almost want to equate it to. Kind of what we're all doing right now, which is, you know, we're doing these these Zoom interviews and obviously like it's they're just not as good and you know we're kinda of fit into these boxes and the lighting can be weird sometimes and and it is what it is, right? It's the results of you know, look, it's it's better than nothing and we gotta do something, mm-hmm. but it's the result of well of, of the world that we live in right now. That being said, when the world goes back to normal, let's go back right. to in-person interviews, high quality cameras, good sound, good lighting. Let's go back to, so that's kind of how I feel sort of about this, which is look, like they've got products on their shelves and it, they're, those products are not making money, but they're spending money because they still have productions that are that are happening overseas right now. Yeah. And they're, they're looking to make money. They're looking to bring in revenue. And they're not saying that this day and date decision is permanent. It's sort of uh, it's 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 a of the moment kind of thing. And to your point, halfway through next year, they could say, guys, we're good. Vaccine's working. You yeah. know what? Rest of the slate back to theaters we go. Um, and I think, you know, I, I don't think anyone would be too terribly upset about that. Um, you know, because we're, we're going to get some big movies. They're going to go straight to home. The, the first one being in a couple of weeks, um, you know, and also keep in mind, you know, Kevin got to see Wonder Woman in theaters. That was mm-hmm. an option for him theaters are closed here in chicago like Mm -hmm. that was not and you know they warner brothers was like hey like do you want to you know we'll get a theater for you and i said you can't you can't get a theater for like like you know so the 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 whole day and date thing is irrelevant for me so if this is still a thing when dune comes out i'm a guy who doesn't get to see dune in theaters and that's i mean that's 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 big for me so um so yeah i I understand the decision I, i i get the idea but i i just hope that um that it's judged you know i hope every month it's kind of you know and and the same kevin like like fox checks in with us every month hey guys looking like you're gonna have to work from home for another two months sort of situation and you know they check in with us about every month they kind of let us know what's going i hope warner brothers just kind of keeps an eye on what's going on hey like as of now we're still going to keep doing this hbo max thing Mm -hmm. within four months from now if it looks like things are moving in the right direction what's what's to keep them from reversing it right right
0: yes because the theaters are ready and waiting you know, That's <laughs> good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're ready to hit the ground running. And I know that a while ago it used to be a marketing thing where you needed a X amount of window, you know, to start promoting. But we are now in an age where you can market and promote and get get those things out there quicker than normal. Because one of the things that we're having conversations with at Cinema Blend behind the scenes is the shelf life of these movies that are coming out this year. And right now, I think you have close to a full year of movies that you can base it on. What movies from this year have managed to stick? You know like there are movies that that screen but by, by this I mean like we talk about a movie for the week that it's coming um and then it almost feels like mm. it's gone you know like yes yeah. the, like I could mention it's... you know Hillbilly Elegy And you might stop for a second and think like, well, as an example of just like, when did that come out? You know, when, when was that? Did I get to see that? And that's a Ron Howard movie with Amy Adams and Glenn Close. You you know
2: know what it's like when, here's what it feels like. When these movies (laughs) come out on streaming, it feels like you just binge the whole season of a, of a, of a that's show. A, that's a
3: perfect comparison. There's, there's that's no perv- like, and
2: then we forget about it. There's no like week uh, like, cause think about like box office reports and like, you know, press and premieres and like all that. Like I was, I was, I, it, it's just interesting to me. Like, I, like there's such an, I was reading a quote from Nolan about that, like about like there's a certain vibe that goes into the promo of a film and like Mm -hmm. traveling the world with your with your cast and showing it to audiences and and like there it's a it's almost like you're ramping up and then the and then it continues Mm -hmm. and for me what I find interesting about all of this is with the vaccine as you mentioned um, politics aside Mm -hmm. um, there is. I feel a positivity that things may be different next year Um, in in the sense that I feel like there's going to be more focus on this uh, and Mm -hmm. and the vaccine and trying to clear things up. Uh, And that, in a weird way, gives me a sense of hope that maybe in June or May, whatever it would be, if we're back to some quote unquote normalcy, that WB can just go back and say, all right, we're back to theatrical back to our, maybe, and maybe, maybe they take universal's model. Maybe they go, all right, 90 days gone. Let's do Mm -hmm. 17 days, Mm -hmm. which I think would have been another, uh, 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 a good way to go. Like they could have done like a, like a two week, like window. I
3: think the issue is, is that not everyone has access to movie theaters right now. True. and, And I
2: get that. And that's, and that's why it's interesting. So I think at the end of the day, once we are back into a safe, way of living and a safe Mm -hmm. way of going to the films. I yeah, you're right. And Warner Brothers could switch switch this off in in March or April, May if we're back to a good spot. So I want to point
0: out too that we're recording this on a Wednesday and there's an anticipation that Thursday uh that Disney's gonna have a big investment call and they potentially might be going down this route as well too with Disney Plus. So um we will continue to track that progress and see where we go in terms of this. But it's been interesting to see some of the fallout from it legendary being pretty upset that they were told or were not told, uh, in, in a long enough time to react. And, and obviously they invested a lot of money in films like, uh, Godzilla versus Kong and in Dune, and they expected expect, expect them to be, uh, big screen events. I found this to be pretty interesting when reading over the, uh, case that they, I don't think I'm not sure if they filed the paperwork yet or not, but they were thinking about doing it. But they were saying that going to a streaming service could essentially tarnish the um franchise potential of things like King Kong and Godzilla uh and Dune, which if Dune does well, they would like it to become Did they uh, not up, see up the last to... King Kong
3: movie? <laughs> yes. No, I'm sorry, no, the last Godzilla movie Kong King Kong was, was good. So, yeah. No, Kong was good. So much. Yeah, Godzilla.
2: Hey, Dune is two parts. How do they gauge the success of the first one? They would like it to question. be a
0: six part movie. Yeah, that's a real that is a really good question. Yes. How
2: do you gauge if Dune did good?
6: It's I think it's also worth mentioning, by the way, mm. a sticky part of the situation, which I think James Gunn brought up um, in something he was quoted about. But the way the contracts work with the people that actually make the movies. Yeah, so that like there end. are people like James yeah. Gunn are they're under contract, part of the payment that they expect to make for the work yeah. that they do is based on the box office. Yeah. Well, you heard and about the
3: Gal Gadot Patty Jenkins controversy.
6: Well, yeah, and what we don't know, what we don't know is, is this, is this big corporation going to go, yeah, we'll give you what would have been your fair share, or are they going to no. go, sorry, streaming wasn't in <laughs> yeah. your contract, that's all
2: ours. One of the most famous stories, you know, that's a big I, problem. But to Gabe's point, one of the most famous stories I've I ever heard was I was reading Arnold Schwarzenegger's book, um, and it was, a, he told a story about twins, mm-hmm. and he made the most money of his entire career on twins because he took what? like a, because he, he took it, he did it all on the back end.
0: Did twins like do well? He,
2: I, I think it did yeah, really well, it was, but it was but,
0: big. But yeah. he, was he
2: he lessened his up front mm. because he thought the percentages would be yeah. so big on the back end. Yeah, and so that that's a really interesting point because box office, especially um, with some some of these bigger films. Yeah, I don't. That's an interesting. Well, that's question. that's
3: that's the controversy right now is because uh, I guess whenever they were make figuring these still out, and obviously they figured it out for Wonder Woman before the other films. Uh, I guess Patty Jenkins' agent and Gal Gadot's agent went to Warner Brothers and was like, hey, we were planning on making some back-end cash on this in theaters. What, do, what are you guys going to do to make this right? And they gave them each $10 million as like kind of like, okay, cool, since so it's not going to go to theaters, here you go. And then they announced the rest of their slate going to theaters. So you have people like Margot Robbie and Angelina Jolie, like all these other actors going, I'm sorry, like, they get 10 million dollars like yeah, where, yeah. Where, where's where's my tip because god knows they're hurting
6: <laughs> yeah exactly but still but still, I no, mean, I still it. no i get no i get it I, well, you, also like uh uh i was just listening to i forget who it was but from what i understand about how the writers guild works and kind of how writers get paid mm-hmm. they make their residuals after they make their residuals in the secondary market and so then there's this whole other problem of how are these people gonna get paid? Sure. so it's also, it's not it's, as simple as like, "Hey, this is really good for the brand. Let's put it on HBO Max of or Disney Plus." It's, I mean, there's a lot of people's livelihoods that are. Yeah. I say livelihoods; that they probably
2: already made a lot of money. And I'll, but I'll give, I'll give a still. plug to, to our buddy Josh Horowitz, who does uh, a great podcast, Happy Sad Confused, and he he had Nolan on. I was listening to some of Nolan's inter- interview today, and Nolan was saying he made most of his money on home video um uh in his career and oh, so the irony I, but, but, <laughs> that but, is so <laughs> ironic but but think about this though like how does home video is going to get hit too because sure. if your movie is streaming on hbo max why but would you is buy there a physical, a physical video anymore oh
3: dude home i, I i'm a question. huge home video fan. I, I know i know you are but does the yeah. average person buy dvds anymore I think so. I th- I, I mean, Good question. I, uh, listen, it's not what it used to be, certainly.
2: But I mean, yeah. home video also means like VOD and. Sh- and, and okay, renting. I guess I, I guess I think of yeah. physical yeah.
3: copies whenever I think no, of home no, no, video. No. VOD counts. Yeah. Okay, example, right. sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I retract that statement then.
2: But if Wonder Woman eighty four goes to HBO Max, why would you need to buy it? You're <laughs> right. It, you know what I'm saying? So well, I, I, I
0: because the they whole... could remove it after a while. Like that's they the which they plan to. Yeah, 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 yeah that's After thirty days. Yes, because I'll tell you what. And then put it uh yes, eventually sure it'll eventually. So it's be part all, of the all these DC movies
3: brands. are going to be on there for thirty days, disappear for a couple of months, and then right. come back. But and then why? Come back. Why?
2: They'll
3: don't... probably
6: go. They'll probably like come off, wait some time, release a Blu-ray, make money on Blu-ray. Then when they the sales kind of top off on Blu-ray, then they'll release it
3: on. That's what well, I would. So think record would it do. on your phone while it's there. <laughs> One of the things I don't, I no, I don't joke. do. That. I joke. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm joking. I
2: joking.
3: Warner Brothers. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs>
2: One of the things Nolan kept... guide to piracy, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Nolan kept talking about the economics of this and right. how, like, economically this is like. It, I, I think he's thinking of from a ter- from the point of terms of like, there's a bi- a buildup for a film and like, and and then like when it co- like we were talking about earlier in our conversation about it coming out and then we forget about it. There's something about. Oh, I know what he said. I, and again, I'll give Josh uh, a, cr- uh, a credit for this. He compared like when a, what, a h- book comes out on hard book hardcover. Yeah. to paperback, sure. and like so you get the hardcover first. That's an exclusivity. It's a different feel. Sean, it's you wouldn't a- understand anything about this. Yeah, no.
0: well, and then I the, don't get a hardcover the paper- copy.
2: But then the paperback comes out mm-hmm. and it's like, it, it, it's a different vibe, it's, it's, yeah. it, but it continues the, the flow sure. of the release. That's and that's the way Nolan was explaining it. I'm like, that makes hmm. perfect sense because there's a section, there's a, there's a, there's an amazing element of a film premiering and then the box office talk for weeks and weeks and weeks. Then the, the, the Blu-ray release, what deleted scenes they're going to be. There's like, it's a whole process that is being completely essentially negated well by this
0: b- kind of but for two things yeah yeah it it is definitely but we're in a pandemic you know
2: oh no <laughs> like, no i'm i'm not i'm not i'm not saying it's wrong yeah, i'm yeah. just saying it's but an, and but also economically it's interesting
0: also it is fascinating that things do have to evolve um and, oh, yeah. and i'll i'll say from this perspective um because of the the audience that i see coming up i got my screener for Wonder Woman 1984 and i turned to my teenage boys and i said hey man family movie night tonight let's go and both of them were like eh, we're okay really yeah they didn't want to watch it Michelle watched it with me and and it didn't matter that it was nineteen eighty four it 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 could have been whatever they just don't watch movies they and you know I don't I wonder where that where that audience is is it Generationally. Still like our, our 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 attention spans are all over the place and I don't know if yeah. that like I'm not as plugged in to know if the next generation of of movie fanatics is out there. I'm sure they are. You know, sure. I'm I'm yeah. sure they are. But are they as passionate for the theatrical? But experience? you didn't give birth
3: to them. No, I didn't. No, quite the opposite. I, Kevin, I have a question for you, Kevin. I, I also I'll say
2: this real fast, and then and, now and Jake, I'll hear your question. I I, I just I, I I can say this from a personal experience. I am not as connected to a film on my couch as I am in a theater. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, oh, agree. And yeah. and, 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 I, and and I watched Wonder Woman both ways. I watched it in a theater. Where I was locked in, you mm-hmm. know, nothing. Yeah. I, I couldn't pull out my phone. There it's 2 I'm, I, we are too ADD as a society yeah. and I yeah. am ADD. So I can yeah. say that like, like I, I just, there's something about, there's a disconnect at the house. I think that's I, why yeah. I'm
3: having such a hard time deciding what my number one film of the year is just cause like, there are a bunch of movies that I like that I've seen this year. Yeah. But because I haven't had that in-theater theatrical experience, I haven't had. So, Kevin, this is my question. I, I want to know. I'm, I'm sure you've seen this. There has been a massive backlash to Nolan's comments about the HBO Max thing. Because people are saying, dude, like, you you pushed Tenet into theaters. mm and it didn't go well. It didn't go or didn't do as well. I actually think $300 million for a movie in the middle of a pandemic is incredibly impressive. Yeah. But they said, you know, it, it didn't do. You know, therefore, theaters didn't open back up. And this is the results of that. Um, do you think that Nolan is coming from a place of hypocrisy uh, for his statements? No, I, I – okay, so I'll, I'll tell you uh, – it's a great question because
2: I've actually thought about that a lot because I've, I've, I've been going back and forth. As I read Twitter, it's like it's hard because people are just sure. going uh, both ways. Um, I genuinely think that Christopher Nolan opened Tenant with Warner Brothers when he did because he genuinely thought it was going to help theaters. I, I, I actually think that the, 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 the mindset that. that he had was from a positive standpoint that he genuinely was like, okay – if I put a big film out, will it help bring people back to theaters? Will employees start working again? That's where I think his mind was the, the his comments now, I think, are not necessarily about the overall mm-hmm. scope of like, hey, we're going to streaming, future of theatrical. I think he's coming at it from a perspective of defending the filmmakers whose work is now going sure. to streaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so sure. when like, I yeah, and, and filmmakers who had no say in this whatsoever. Right. Right. And here's the here's the thing, like, Nolan said worst streaming service in his quote, I like HBO Max. I, HBO Max. Which yeah. is not true because HBO Max is a great stream. Their, really the really video great. library is incredible. Yeah. 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 I love HBO Max. I watch it all I the time. I watched Blood Simple the other uh, day. Yeah, it's, it's it's a great platform, and and mm-hmm. also kudos to HBO Max because they're mm-hmm. actually going to give uh, Patty a 4K release for the first time yeah, ever. Yeah, that's awesome uh, with Woman 84. So I think it's an interesting question because I I don't think he's being uh, hypocritical. I think that's the way it's being painted in the news. I, I I genuinely believe his heart was in the right place, and I think that his comments, because you guys know, I mean, things get taken out of context. I don't, we have no idea what else was before or after that quote i have no idea but my point is i think he's coming at it from like i think he feels bad that these filmmakers because what's that quote he said
3: filmmakers and actors went to bed went to bed working for the world's best studio and they woke up working for the world's worst streaming service right but but it so taking away... Okay, taking I gotta be it, honest. I don't care what comes before or after that. It that's it doesn't sound good. It's a great so quote, though. I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> it's
5: I'm
2: a, great a great quote.
3: quote.
5: <laughs> and it's
2: I, great. I, I, listen, I, listen, I love Nolan, but I don't agree with him on that. I don't I don't think HBO Max is the worst streaming source. But I will say this. I, I I think Nolan's heart is in the right place. I think he just feels... Like, think about it. Like, Denise probably, like... How I, upset with it would you be if you're Denise
6: I think genuinely, I think I think it's exactly what he needed to do because if he is yes. Christopher Nolan, the uh, prodigal son of Warner Brothers, yeah, and it. Warner Brothers will do whatever it is to make his films be what he wants them to be, I think he represents every other filmmaker in their, yes, in their uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for in, their, in their, their slate,
5: yeah, yes,
6: he he represents all of them as the largest voice, quote unquote, as far as we, you know as far as we yeah. can tell from the outside. I would almost say it's a responsibility for him to sure. st- step up for everyone else.
0: And yet, I also want, I also we all want to point said, out- but we all said to each other that we think his deal with Warner Brothers is done now.
2: Let me let me tell you, oh, uh, well, that's well, another thing. We can go into that; that's a different story because obviously his comments <laughs> were were pretty harsh. So mm. I, I would imagine there's going to be a problem there. But my my whole thing with Nolan and and like like remember all these quotes that come out this week. What has he been doing while he's been doing these quotes? Promoting Tenet. Promoting Tenet. <laughs> yeah. So, and I'm not saying he's using that to like get news, but I do. Th- I agree with Gabe. There's something like he almost has to back them up. Yeah. Because, I, and, and I, I, I listen. I wasn't there during the dealings with Tenet's release. I, I am not in the camp that believes that he forced Warner Brothers to release it. I think they came to an understanding that they were trying to help theaters. That's how I look at it. Maybe I'm being a little more optimistic about it than, than most are. But I, I have a hard time believing that Christopher Nolan forced Warner Brothers. I think it was more of like a discussion, in my opinion, about trying to save theaters and save jobs. And I think it just didn't do well in the, in the States Still close to $400 million once the India release happens, hopefully. Uh, and it'll crush on PVOD and it'll make a ton of money when it comes out on PVOD and digital. Um, so I think it's just... I-, I think Gabe's right. I think he had to say that. He's not wrong about the idea that filmmakers should have had choices in these matters. I think his language was a little harsh, but it was all, but it was almost all like... I, th- I think it's how he feels. I think he genuinely oh. feels upset for these filmmakers. I think it's an yeah. emotional response.
0: And also, like... Why is anyone surprised that Nolan said this?
2: Like, no yeah. one's surprised.
0: Of course, Nolan would say this. Like, and that's of yeah. course. Yeah. So, so I did
6: actually want to ask you guys. I wanted you guys to get into this. How do you think this decision and the way that it was handled? Because it seems, from what we can tell, that they didn't really give anybody much notice. Um, how do you think it affects their relationship with filmmakers and and filmmakers wanting to work with Warner Brothers moving forward?
3: I think at the end of the day, Warner Brothers is a legendary studio. They're a studio. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like, and, it's, and yeah. It's... You're, you're 100% right. And also keep in mind, with, you know, the, the, the Disney Fox merger, we lost one of the major uh, film studios. So we yes. lost Correct. one of the options for filmmakers to go to to get yes. their project made. Um, so I, I really think that once, you know, uh, there's a lot of stuff that's happening as a result of a worldwide global pandemic of the likes of which we right. haven't seen in, in, in this modern age. And so I think on the other side of this, there's going to be a whole a lot of understanding of like, look, things had to happen, yeah. you know, but now we're back on track. And, and here's where we're at. Here's one hundred percent.
2: I doing. I personally don't feel any anger or negativity towards Warner Brothers for this this decision. I, I, I kind of I, it's one of those things where I'm like, I, I get why you did it. I just don't necessarily agree with it, but I don't have, like when the Warner Brothers thing dropped with Wonder Woman and I texted you guys and I was like super angry. I was like really fired up. Oh, I remember. That was just, a, I was just emotionally like, I was scared, man. I was like, that's a really big deal that that sure. movie's going to streaming the day of the, 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 the theater release. Mm. But I really kind of had to step back. I mean, like guys I've done, I'm 36 years old now. And I'm trying to be more open to discussions. I mean, Sean and I had a great moment. We went to Saw Roma and I had a, a, an awakening about, netflix and kind of what that reach meant to people um so it's for me i'm just kind of trying to understand it I, I i emotionally understand where nolan's coming from the words are a little harsh but i i i think it's an interesting concept i i think theatrical will be fine i really yeah. do i think i i i don't think you know at first i'm like oh my god theaters are gonna die but then you gotta take a step back it's like like you're so right sean and i feel like mid-year, we could be in a completely different space with these vaccines and we could be, and they could just reverse the decision. Yeah. So we'll see. And
0: and Gabe, to answer your question, um, I I think people will be lining up to work with Warner Brothers for Mm -hmm. decades to come. Yeah. Because we've seen multiple times where heads of studios turn off uh, certain talent and that head of studio moves on. And the next person comes in and it's a fresh slate. Uh, Just like Jake said, there's not a lot of places where you can go to get your big movie made. Um, I was having a conversation with a friend who's very connected to in the industry who was talking about Nolan. And when we were discussing whether he won't make movies with Warner Brothers anymore, they essentially were like, where's it going to go? Like how many more options does Christopher Nolan honestly have to get $250, $250 million to make his original idea? Yeah. With like, no tinkering whatsoever. Like Warner yeah.
3: Brothers kind of, from my understanding, it's kind of carte blanche. Like you yeah. can kind of, oh, you know, yeah. um, you know, other studios, they might say, "Yeah, we'll give you two hundred fifty million dollars, but we we really want to have a say yeah. on, you know." And and uh, so he 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 might be coming back tail between his legs. Warner hey, Brothers
2: man. is also the studio that released a World War II film that had nothing to do with America in the middle of the summer. Yeah, and it what was and that? it? Crushed Dunkirk. I mean, like, like obviously, <laughs> but I mean, th- think about that for one second, like. What other studio would give a filmmaker X amount of millions of dollars sure. to do it? To do a British story and release it in America as a summer blockbuster?
5: Yeah,
2: I mean, I, know. I, I, I and that's another reason why I found his words so harsh because I know they've been good to him, yeah. right? And like, and they and they and, but but I I just I just think he's a like Gabe said I think it's a completely emotional reaction that he almost has to have because. Because everyone's looking at him like, oh, you got your movie out. Why are we getting sure. screwed? Mm-hmm. And I think he's like, you know what? I have to kind of like take – I, I have to stand up for yeah. my fellow filmmakers and go – But
3: more people yeah. might end up seeing Wonder Woman 1984 than Saw Tenet. How do you on gauge? HBO Max. How do you because gauge? Because everyone, everyone on Christmas Day is going to press yeah. play. They are. Wonder Wasn't Wonder that always going to happen, though?
2: Yeah, it, it Wonder Woman eighty four. I mean, Tenet's an original idea sure. that that is uh, with a leading star. That I mean, again, we know who John David Washington is, but he's not sure. a name. um And you know, Pattinson. Pattinson can pull. Pattinson has a very niche audience, but people aren't. He's going not a box office draw. Right. So Do like, 10 Batman,
6: baby. He's coming back.
2: But yeah, but but <laughs> Nolan's waiting on the lighthouse too. Yeah,
6: Nolan. Or electric Boogaloo.
2: Lighthouses. <laughs> 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 but Nolan's no the name. Nolan's the
3: star on those do you films, know right?
0: How different these conversations would be if we had tangible data of how things do on streaming. Well, if we could point to uh, successes and failures, the way that they we don't do want box us to office, be able to point to failures. I know. I, I know think
3: there's a reason that we haven't heard about Mank streaming well, numbers. I'll tell you something that's really interesting.
2: <laughs> I, I so I, when I I don't mean the name drop, but when I interviewed Ron Tank. Howard for for when I interviewed Ron Howard, <laughs> tank, um... Sark, <laughs> that's really good. No, no, no not at all. no. Right when you said that, Lauren delivered me a chocolate, and I kind of missed it, and then I caught it, and I was like, "I'm so late on my laugh." Um, so this is actually really, really interesting. So Ron Howard, I interviewed Ron Howard for Hillbillyology, and one of the questions I was interested in asking him was. You've worked in all these different realms of ratings: PG, thirteen, PG, R. And I said, when you when you know you're directing an R-rated film, is it more freeing as a storyteller knowing you can just do whatever you want? Oh, I didn't that think about how many what a wide range of huge. Ratings. That's interesting. That's really interesting. And, and so he so he starts answering the question, and then he and then he and then he and then he gets really truthful, which I thought was a really kind of a really eye-opening thing for me. He a said
0: great moments. But when, when I make happens. hill
2: when I make Hillbilly Elegy, I'm not making it for everybody. I'm making it for a very specific audience who's going to watch it on Netflix. So when a filmmaker makes a film for a studio like Netflix, it's almost as if they don't have to worry about the wideness of mm. getting everybody. Because if you're like like Mank, for example that cinephiles, boom, all right, great, that that would mm-hmm. check them off, they'll watch this, right? Um, so Ron Howard, basically uh, paraphrasing him, essentially said that like with Netflix, I get to I get to make a specific film that I don't have to cater to the wider audience Um, and I think those types of situations like Mank never I don't think would have gotten a studio release I really don't feel like any studio would have put that out like at a wide release so in in all honesty I'm thankful for these (laughs) streaming services especially Netflix for giving like the, but like, you know, Michael Bay puts six underground on there. Yeah. They're going for a specific audience. They're yeah, going to, yeah. you know, $200 million budget. So it, it's a very interesting thing. And I think we can gauge it, but I don't think a lot of these, these movies on these streaming platforms are meant to be these hundreds of millions of households. Well, they're, I, they're, I, I think it's catered. important to, I think it's important to mention the filmmaker
6: perspective. And this is what well, right. we talk about wanting to know from the outside, the success of a movie because we're constantly inundated with box office data and weighing things against each other with that but I've heard tons of filmmakers talk about how much more they enjoy the Netflix model of we get to make a movie. They paid us what they thought it was worth right. to make this movie and they don't tell us how it did. Mm, they don't right. want to tell us and we don't have to worry about week one. What did That's it do? I can just tell the story. Yeah. And yeah. Netflix is Netflix is handling the, yeah, the imagine that I, don't, relief. I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, but how, how long can that
3: last?
0: How, I mean, Netflix,
6: well, they haven't really made money,
0: but
3: look at like five, look at five blood. <laughs> well, though. they did. They did just increase our, uh, monthly subscription. I guess that's how they $2. do it, right? Because eventually yeah. they're
0: going to run out of like it's not a limitless yeah. amount of audience members or subscribers, right? right? Like sure, sooner or later that has to top out, and then that's what they yeah. do. I guess they up the uh, the the cost
3: too. Uh, well, sure.
6: uh, one day at some some in the future, Netflix will have advertising.
3: Yeah, because they'll get to a point to. where the so one day Netflix becomes television. <laughs> it, uh, exactly, well, they're, gonna what... it. they're <laughs> they gonna going a, to buy it. Aren't
0: they going to buy a channel? Didn't they talk? Didn't we talk about this? Yeah. Yeah.
3: You know, In France? Or they're starting I mean, their testing what Hulu a Hulu does Hulu does the thing where it's more like either that they have could, ads or you can pay right. the more expensive yeah, price yeah, yeah, and you get yeah. it with that's, ads. But that's run
2: by, by the...
6: Uh, Traditional, sure. Uh, but like
2: YouTube does that world. too. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like for example, like yeah. cause YouTube streaming like the first 19 James Bond films in the month of December for yeah. free, mm-hmm. but I, they come with commercials, you know, I just
6: mean a streaming service like Netflix. Once they like Sean is saying, once they get to the X billion people that are no longer, they're no longer going to get a meaningful increase year over year for their stockholders. They're going to introduce something like ads so that they go check it out. We made X percent more money this year. Cause that's how Apple's
0: by May up. of yeah. 2021, Chris Nolan will be on Peacock. <laughs>
3: Quibi He's really back. Se- back. Season Keep 4 of Quibi. the new Saved by the Bell Quibby's back Reven. and more
0: vertical than ever
3: <laughs> Alright, let's I move on it.
0: to the next topic yeah. uh, because uh, for this reason we're, we're talking about big time entertainment potentially going to streaming and watching it at home and if I have to watch Spider-Man 3 uh, at home next December, I'm gonna cry I'm gonna literally there's no other film coming. I'm not even Dune. I'm not like that. I want to see in a theater than Spider-Man Three, and, and particularly at the size and, and rate that it's potentially going at this point now. So we can confirm, uh, I believe, that Alfred Molina uh, is going to be in Spider-Man Three, and I say we believe because yeah, it at least was in the Hollywood Reporter,
3: um, and wasn't there another big character announced today? Charlie Cox, dear Cox.
0: But see, the, here's where I don't believe those. I don't believe these leaks that are coming out. If it's not in a trade paper. It's on the internet, Sean. So, so far in the, pa- in the, in the past 48 hours, we have heard Toby Maguire, Andrew yeah. Garfield, Kirsten Dunst, maybe Emma Stone, uh, Charlie Cox, all piggybacking off of the Alfred Molina news, but, and I have spoken to Sony, <laughs> they have no idea about any, any of this. Um, all they, they have tell you though, people who I've spoke to, I believe would tell me. Yeah. Um, and all they know is that they have Tom Holland, Zendaya, Marissa Tomei, John Favreau, Jacob Adalon, and John Watts is directing. But There is a huge amount of mystery surrounding this, and apparently Marvel is driving the ship on this one. But Melina's news is real, right?
2: Melina's news is real.
0: Melina. I think Melina's news. I think Melina's news is real. I don't believe the rest of it. Yes, I don't believe the rest of
3: it. How have none of these actors been spotted in Atlanta?
0: Um, I think Melina was, and I think that's kind of what triggered it. Yes, I think Uh. Melina was. Okay.
3: So do you think? um, Do you think they're going to get Willem Dafoe back?
0: So, so here, okay. So let me, me,
3: I'll
0: tell you what I think my theory is going to be on this. Um, because there's been a lot of speculation that's been springing out of this about how like poor Tom Holland hasn't, has yet to get a, a Spider-Man movie. That's just his movie, right? Like he had to share with Downey for homecoming and theoretically had, uh, Nick Fury, which turned out to not be Nick Fury. Um, and, um, now he's finally back in New York and, and are they going to saddle him with a live action Spider-Verse film all in one? We know Benedict Cumberbatch is in it. That's confirmed. Um, and we assume that Cumberbatch is going to introduce the multiverse and the way that these things are being announced. My theory that I came up with last night, because here's what I think you don't do a live action Spider-Verse movie that includes Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield and theoretically other big pieces from those franchises, unless Kevin Feige is standing on a stage someplace and making that an announcement. Like that's just not the kind of movie that you try to hide and hope you can keep secret, right? Like you have to announce that. And then you have to say like, okay, we're doing a live action Spider-Verse movie. Here's who's in it. Now leave us alone and let us go make it. I don't think that Marvel would allow these big surprises to come out with a million tiny leaks on, you know, sites that people don't really trust because their sources aren't there. Are you saying that
3: you don't think Spider-Man 3 is the Spider-Verse movie we all think it is?
0: Correct. My theory right now is that Doctor Strange will be in it. He will introduce the multiverse to Tom Holland's Peter Parker and, and Peter Parker will get windows into those worlds to understand that there are existing other Spider-Man universes, which is why we have heard two villains be cast in Jamie Foxx and Electro and Alfred Molina as Dr. Octopus. And you could put any stuntman in those signature Spider-Man costumes where Tom sees briefly these other examples of them fighting against each other. Now, again, it it could, be, it could have even just been footage from the other movies. Sure. But it will tease out to... A, a true live action Spider Verse film that will happen later. I don't believe all of these people gonna be are going to show sinister up. Six theoretically, line. unless they just decide they're going to do some type of giant live action Spider Verse movie. Um, yeah, because, there has to
3: be a reason for that to happen. It's for sure. Sinister Six is the logical. Now, do you think the, the theory is, is that Sinister Six is going to be made up of past movies' villains? I, I, I think
0: that that's probably accurate. Yeah. I think that that's probably accurate. Yeah, that'd be um, pretty sweet. It'll be a mix of things. Like you'll get Keaton's Vulture, you'll yeah. get Molina's Doctor Octopus. It could be Defoe's. See, the thing about it is that a lot of these characters, quote unquote, died. You know, right. Doctor Octopus kind of floated what does that away.
3: Mean,
0: yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. In a comic book property, everybody can come back in some way. Do they? Before. Do they
3: count? And this is my issue with Venom. One of my many issues with that movie is that, like, they never actually truly treated him like a villain. Would they would they try to make Tom Hardy's Venom a villain to fit into the Sinister Six?
0: Yes, I think that they probably would. Then they um, need
3: to they need to villainize him.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, Alfred Molina at the very end of Amazing Spider Man Two changes his tune and essentially sacrifices himself to do the right thing. So yeah. is he a villain when he comes back? Like these are all huge questions that I have. I don't know if they're accurate, but. Uh, but there's a flood of this stuff hitting the internet, and and I'm choosing to believe just the stuff that I see in trades. And I, I think that if Marvel honestly was building towards a live-action Spider-Verse film, they would be leading with that and telling everybody, hey, this is what we're doing kind of thing.
6: I don't know. Could they could they be waiting to make that announcement until the news cycle isn't what it is right now? Until yeah. the theater situation calms down and they can talk about anticipating an awesome yeah. movie. I could see them being like, let's not throw Marvel in. The- we have Black Widow that we still need to get out. Let's just... Yeah. I there like
3: has, been, there has been no Comic-Con. Like, There has been no opportunity for them to have that big, yeah. splashy moment. It's
0: true, um, but, but I think Marvel... And, and Marvel's kind of behind the eight ball in terms of they have three movies, four movies that are coming to theaters next year. They have Black Widow, Eternals, Shang-Chi, and Spider-Man. They have shown no material at all whatsoever from Shang-Chi and Eternals, and they're sitting on all of this plot detail for Spider-Man. They could very easily do a DC fandom type event that not only uh, talked about all those movies in detail, but the full slate of stuff that's coming to Disney+. Plus: Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision. Uh, which one?
6: I was going to say, now cut to 10 minutes after we stop recording and they announce this uh, event.
3: What? Oh, that's exactly... <laughs> like, they're waiting on us to finish
0: this episode.
3: Feige! <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, I don't know. That's where I stand with the Spider Man stuff. Do you guys have any other uh, thoughts, Tim?
3: It's exciting. It's really, it's, it's, um, I'm, I'm kind of with you in that, uh, this is probably the movie I'm most excited about looking forward to. You know, it, it, it brings forward, you know, the, the Spider Man world, which I already love because I love Tom Holland as Spider Man, but also the, the Raimi Spider Man movies, um, which was, you know, came out when I was a kid and I was a big fan of those. And yep. I love that they sort of tap into that nostalgia. Also bringing back, um, you know, the Garfield Spider-Man movies, which I've seen. Um,
2: <laughs> and uh, so, yeah,
3: it'll be I fun. like them a lot. I saw a great um, tweet today
2: that said like that actually summed up Garfield's movies perfectly because I feel like he was such he was a great Spider-Man. and He just wasn't given good material. I don't know who said that, but I thought mm-hmm. it was a really That's how I interesting...
3: feel about Pierce Brosnan and uh, James Bond Except outside outside of, outside of GoldenEye, which is golden amazing. Yeah. GoldenEye amazing. is amazing. Um, he's a great James Bond, but just was in bad Bond movies. His other movies were terrible. So
0: bad. So bad after Goldeneye. They went off a cliff. They went really downhill. Sometimes quite literally.
2: Yeah. I will say (laughs) that the Molina news made me excited because that's my my favorite Spider-Man film next to Far From Home. So I'm like, I I was rewatching some clips. I thought of you when I saw
3: that news, actually. yeah,
2: I was watching some clips today. That scene uh, when they're in the bank... And like yeah. his little arms are picking up yeah. the uh I, I just I don't know. That movie was so awesome. I, was I always like,
3: love when um when he when he kidnaps her and you know, and he's like leaning in to like be really menacing to Peter yeah. Parker and like the claws right there and he says something like I like like, you know, bring me Spider Man or I'll peel the flesh from her bones and the little yeah, claw yeah. goes, yeah, yeah. like I just I loved that. It's that also like amazing. he's amazing.
0: He's so good as Doctor Octopus that he's legitimately like Marvel has come out and said, like, we haven't tried Doctor Octopus again because the yeah. shoes are that big. Yeah. Like, we can't fill them. Yeah. So, and now they're just going back to get... So, yeah, it, it makes me think also that the decision to hire Sam Raimi to replace Scott Derrickson on the Doctor Strange movie was not... Sure. Um, a mistake, right? That's Surely. not a not a happy accident that they just happen to bring Sam Raimi back into the Marvel fold. So,
2: sure, I hope Doctor Strange is like an R-rated Evil Dead Four or something. Oh. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, and, and, they, and they and they just have like the like the the tracking camera like going in. Like, I mean, I but it's but so... it's Doc Ock's arm that comes. Right. out. <laughs>
3: God, if Raimi could do like an
2: R-rated Doctor Strange, that would be incredible. Don't do
3: this to me. You guys always come up with amazing <laughs> scenarios that are better than the movies that we end up getting. So good. Yeah,
0: very true. Speaking of, uh, let's get to this week in movies. Um, Emily Blunt stars in something called Wild Mountain Time. Uh, I don't even know what this movie is about. What is it about? Do you guys know what it's about?
2: It's basically, uh, it takes place in Ireland, and there's okay. two families, and Christopher Walken, uh, he's uh, he's passing his his farm or his land down to his son but he doesn't want to give it to his uh, Jamie Dornan's character so he wants to give it to his I think a cousin which was Jamie, John Hamm's character uh, okay. and Emily Blunt also lives in Ireland and she's in love with Dornan's uh, character and uh, but he doesn't know it he's oblivious to it and that's kind of it's like a romantic story but it's also directed by I'm blanking on his name. He wrote Moonstruck and directed Doubt. He directed uh, Joe vs. the Volcano. He directed
3: uh, 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 John... John, John Patrick Shanley. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, he won an Oscar for um, writing Moonstruck. Yeah, yeah, he wrote
2: Moonstruck. So, so, uh, yeah. it's, so it's from that perspective. Um, but yeah, that comes out. I, it's so funny. We did press for it today. It comes out Friday yeah like, i i absolutely it comes out friday. oh god i gotta air that stuff i know i i when I interview ended i'm like i got an email from my rep they're like hey you're airing this tomorrow or friday i'm like what oh <laughs> was like, thank what you out <laughs> this week <laughs> what <laughs> and so uh no but like jake and i both did the junket today and emily blunt was so awesome like she i, I love talking to her she's just i, I it, love she ranks as
0: one of the best interviews right like, like, gets it.
2: Yeah. she gets it she gets it she's uh, just a nice person and jamie dornan's actually a really funny interview too funny uh, yeah he's a really good interview i i got him for like the 50 shades movies and i know those movies weren't well received but he was he's a good dude like that dude's a cinephile huge cinephile
0: he's also sneaky crazy popular like
2: yes oh we run stories
0: about him on cinema blend and they crush dude he has a huge fan base his wife scored the film oh really that's Amelia cool. Warner, yeah. Okay. So his
2: wife is. So I was doing the junket today, and the, I was talking to the director, just John John Patrick Shanley. Shanley, the, the, yeah, yeah. Um, and I was like, what, you know, what, what? What was the thought process in hiring your leading star's wife to compose your film? And and he was like, the funniest part about it was I was ba- basically able to t- I, I, I can't fire you. So please do a good yeah. job. <laughs> I, I, I can't fire you. You're the, like the wife of my lead star. So please, if you don't mind, just do the best the job you can. Wouldn't it be so great if of... he
0: hired her first? Cause he really yeah. liked her scores. <laughs> yeah. And then she was like, my husband is an actor. And he's like, Oh, oh my God, all right. I guess oh so. God. I'll put you uh, in.
2: <laughs> funny story about Jamie Dornan. I'll t- keep it in like a minute. I was interviewing him for the 50 shades movie. Um, and I don't know why we got into a discussion about in and out, but he told me that when he moved to Los Angeles, you, that's why, yeah. well, I know I'm trying to remember how it came up somehow, but like he started telling me about this burger that he used to eat all the time when he first moved to LA, it's called a four by four. And it's, it's, so it's a special burger on the in and out menu. It's not on the menu. It's like a secret thing. It's four patties, four slices of cheese, and then two buns. And like, you know, they're buns and they're like toasted cause they're the best. They're. Better than Waterburger, uh, Jake. I'm just kidding. But anyways, does so, that
6: does it come with health insurance?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Uh, so listen to this. So I'm a huge In and Out fan. So, I, so the interview ends. Well, first of all, I'm looking at him like, dude, how are you eating four by fours? How's that possible? Yeah. Like, like uh, you know, you're shirtless in this film. Like, I, I, I'm afraid to turn my shirt off at the pool, the beach. Um, so I go to In n Out a couple weeks later, and I try it. And I I was kind of ambitious about it because I still got a milkshake and fries, (laughs) (laughs) and I think it might have been it was either one of the I think can't remember like there was some big event happening on TV that night. So I got back to my hotel room and I'm sitting in my bed and watching. I think I don't know if it was like the Super Bowl or whatever it was. And I could feel my arteries moving in my body. Like I, I, I will never forget. I've never felt my arteries before. I, I literally could not walk to the bathroom. I was like, I, I, was so. I mean, four, four patties, four slices, and I, 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 I forgot to bring it up to him today. I'm like, because I, I have a photo of me holding the four by four, it's as big as my head. Um, and I'll just know. So that's my Jamie Dornan story, and. He almost killed me, basically. So, thank you, Jamie.
5: <laughs>
0: That's horrible. Appreciate it. All right, we talked about, about the prom on last week's uh, episode. So, if you want to go back and listen to uh, Jake's takedown of that Netflix uh, movie, you go check that out. Um, HBO Max is also going to have Let Them All Talk, the Steven Soderbergh film with Meryl Streep, which I'm really excited to see. And I'm disappointed that uh, I didn't get a link somehow. Um, Eric Eisenberg reviewed it for Cinema Blend and gave it a really good review. I've, I've heard from a lot of people that it's actually... Uh, surprisingly good. Um, Candace Bergen. And who's the third woman in it? Meryl Streep. No, no, no. Meryl Streep, Candace Bergen, and who's the third? Is it Diane... Weiss? Oh, Diane Weist. Diane Weist. Diane Weist. Yeah. God, I would line up to see it for those three alone. So that's, yeah. that's phenomenal. Okay, so that's coming to HBO Max. And then, uh, Jakey, you saw I'm Your Woman, which is going to be on yeah, Amazon uh, Prime Video. Is that I Rachel really Brosnahan's?
3: Yeah, Brosnahan. Um, I really liked it. You know, re- normally, when it comes to, like, movies about thieves the The wives of these characters tend to be secondary characters, if if not important at all. Um, this is about a um, the wife of a thief. The thief has to disappear, something happens, he does something bad okay. and he disappears but sends someone to take care of his wife and uh, their child. Mm-hmm. And so the movie is kind of told through the perspective of like her, like she knew that he was into some shady stuff but didn't know the details. And it's her kind of going on the run with this guy who was sent to protect her, um, slowly piecing together what her husband did, who her husband was, and like where he is now. Like what, what is happening? Like I have this child in my arms, like where do we go now? What is, what is our life? What do right. we do? Um, and it's really it's 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 a, a familiar story, but told from the perspective that we don't normally get, which I think really makes it interesting. And I think Rachel Brosnahan is a, is an incredible actress and she does a really amazing job. It's got a great supporting cast. I, I really I really dug it.
0: That's cool. I'm excited to see people who are like if they, they get success early on in television mm-hmm. shows. Start yeah. to explore uh, film sure. opportunities because yeah. I and she was ex- great.
3: I don't know if you watched House of Cards. She was great in House of Cards. I did not yeah. watch that. No. Yeah, she had a she had a pretty brutal ending. Oh, it, it was very seven like. Remember that shot where he yeah. took the van out to the desert? Oh, it was yeah. very seven like. Very dude, seven, dude. Dude, yeah. I might watch yeah. this one day. You shouldn't. No. House of Cards. House of Cards. Or watch like the first like that's four we're seasons of House of Cards. Yeah, yeah, cards. no, I
0: know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, oh Well, that's okay. I'm not going to catch up with House of Cards.
3: And also, like, dude, like, come on. It, it also gone. goes off a cliff. Well, mm. I mean, you know, the, you know so, what happened. The, not, but, the so the Spacey, not the Kevin Spacey.
0: Not the Kevin Spacey of it all. I mean, from a story. W- from a story, well, you know that no, well,
3: the, from a story. S- why, like from a story perspective, you know that like his character is just straight up not in the last season.
0: No, I didn't even know that. They, oh, they like, like they, they,
3: they they kill him off in between seasons because of what do, happened to him. Do they really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he like gets, yeah. he like got assassinated or something yeah. between the second to last and the last oh, season. That's Robin funny. Robin Wright Penn is the president, Robin Wright right? Penn becomes president. Okay, yeah. that's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, it's bad. she's also it's really in. A, bad.
0: What? What? what uh, she's in Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah. And yeah. what did Michelle call her? Michelle said, "Oh, that's that's so and so from." that's what she said she goes that's what she said oh that's Jenna from Forrest Gump <laughs> I was like yeah she is Jenny and that's when Sean Forrest filed for divorce <laughs> no I think that's sweet though. like Michelle's point of reference because she only watches maybe like three movies a year that when she sees certain people <laughs> one of them is yes Forrest, that, that's why I hate it so much she watches like, what does Michelle think of Forrest Gump that's a good question uh, I think she likes it I don't think she understands why oh, I hate it has, so much she has taste
3: I don't know taste <laughs> She's, she's simple okay so are you saying that she has bad
2: taste because she married what? you force comes to great movie. she's not I, I agree with her
0: taste I'm not saying that her taste is bad um but I think proceed that she, carefully I think she makes questionable <laughs> choices I think she makes oh question- yeah she married you yeah I know But I mean in the I'm, I'm talking about cinema I'm only talking about cinema here not personal choices um yeah, how do we get down this rabbit hole Why are we talking about <laughs> Cup? let's move to the blend game uh, we are talking about this is a really great topic uh, this is a great one who came yeah, up with it it was Jake um, and so I'll let you start Jake we're playing actor turned yep. director uh, and this is based off of George Clooney who yep. we were all lucky enough to speak to uh, last week for his new film coming to Netflix oh wait that's coming to Netflix this week the, no, the, the 10th No, 23rd
3: you know? oh it is it got pushed
0: back
2: it was, well, it was no, always 23rd. It, it, it oh, might have it a 23rd? theatrical limited well, opening. No, I, I, sure. I thought
3: it was theatrical the same. Okay. Well, 1223 no, no is they, when it comes yeah. out. Yeah. Well, yeah. never mind.
0: But anyway, this is for uh, Clooney with the Midnight Sky. And so we come up with the idea, or Jake came up with the idea, proper credit, uh, for actor-turned-director. So, Jakey, why don't you kick us off? Who did you choose uh, for uh, actor-turned-director?
3: Mine is, to me, the the ultimate choice in terms of the quality of films he ended up making. Mm. Um, I chose Rob Reiner. Mmm. Um, obviously was meathead for many years mm-hmm. um, and then went on to direct when well, we've discussed this before you think of the classics you think of you know, Spinal Tap and A Few Good Men and Stand By Me um, When Harry Met Sally you know uh, just an endless str- misery uh, you know just a seemingly endless stretch of, of classics after classics after classics um, you know I, I, I was thinking about all the ones who, who, who could have very well been possibilities but for me it was who's directed who went on to direct the most movies that i love the most and for me it was it was reiner by a long shot so i Uh, I just think you know and i also don't think he gets enough credit for the 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 amount of classics that he has made yeah he's my choice also yeah (laughs) my man yeah i honestly thought that i was gonna be
0: alone in mine kevin is he yours too
2: It's not, it's not mine, but it was the one, I mean, I think he's, I think he's an underrated director for everything you guys just said, but yes. Well, and
0: this is, this is really fascinating because we have just recently started to have this conversation about like, is he under, is he underrated because of the Mm -hmm. sheer number of amazing films that he has made. And it's really funny that like, yeah, of course he got his, yes, he's meathead, like, like you said, and he got his start on, on a sitcom. Um, But I think he's the type of guy who was always destined to be a filmmaker. You know, he got started as an actor, but there are a lot of other people, like when we talk about Clooney as an example, even Eastwood, I I think Eastwood was always destined to be and Clooney were destined to be movie stars. Mm -hmm. They just also flex that muscle every once in a while. Rob Reiner, without a doubt, was going to evolve into films and his film slate is just-
3: You can say the same thing about Ron Howard.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. Yes. Started on television yeah. at a certain thing. And then yeah. just sort of, so I was going back through, cause I'm doing work on, on this new Spider-Man book kind of thing. And I am uh, got to a point where the screenwriter that I interviewed uh, talked about a script that they wrote in 1985 for an early effort to try to get Spider-Man on the big screen. And they said, we were going after John Cusack uh, to be our Peter Parker. And at the time Cusack was in better off dead, and the, he had just graduated to leading roles and he did a movie called The Sure Thing, which was just a teen comedy, essentially, uh, that was better because Cusack was in it. So I'm looking up The Sure Thing because I knew I saw it back in the day, directed by Rob Reiner. And I was like, wow. ah, oh, there you go. Rob Reiner's been contributing forever. And so once we had this conversation about actors turned directors, uh, again, because for me, I've, I've gushed about Few Good Men and how uh, how tremendous I think it is. He did Misery, Spinal Tap, uh,
5: just a Bride. slew
0: of a slew, Princess Bride. When Harry quote, met Sally. Quote unquote, the greatest comedy ever made, according to Real Blend. Um, yeah, just a slew of phenomenal films. It, it's disappointing to me that he did get to a point where he made a couple of films at the end that are really not good.
3: I like Bucket List.
0: I'm not even saying Bucket List. Uh, there's an L- LBJ. Uh, Being Charlie, and so, oh, Rumor Has It. Rumor Has It will always go down, oh, Story of Us, those are not good films. (laughs) I know I'm not selling Rob uh, Rob Reiner in in saying that. Rumor Has It is the only movie that I've ever said that I've walked out of. That's uh, the um, Michelle Pfeiffer, Bruce Willis movie? that is um Jennifer no, Aniston that's the other oh, one. Oh, that's Story of Us that's Story of Us yes that's okay. Bruce Willis Michelle Fiverr Jennifer Aniston and Shirley and, Kev, is, and Kevin Costner is rumor has yes yeah and that movie is so bad that I, that I left it but, I've never um, seen it but before that Rob Reiner was great Kev who doesn't, did you pick
3: doesn't Costner play a, I'm sorry no go ahead Co- was like, costner doesn't Costner one? play a baseball player
0: I think he does big stretch does. <laughs> <laughs> Kev who'd you pick
2: um, so my Kevin choice Costner. was actually Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went with the really uh my perspective on this was more of like an actor that I knew was an actor prior to them becoming a filmmaker. Like for me, Rob Reiner the directed directed all those movies before I don't before I even remember him being an actor. That's mm. fair. Um That's interesting. So for so for me there was never a transition of like, oh Rob Reiner's this huge acting star mm. and then oh now he's transitioning into becoming a phenomenal filmmaker. Sure. Um so I never had that like I've always known Reiner is kind of more of a filmmaker than actually an actor, to be sure. honest with you. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, like for
3: me, like my parents know, like, I don't know him as meat. I don't know meathead, but my yeah. parents yeah, I did. don't, I don't, yeah. I don't even know what meathead is. What is that from?
0: It's a nickname for his character in all in the family, which was a I've never huge seen all sitcom the in the seventies.
2: Right. So I didn't even know what meathead was. So, mm. um, so my perspective came from like, what, what actor have I seen in my time that, Threw me a massive curveball and became one of the best filmmakers of all time. Mine was Jordan Peele. Um, because oh, interesting.
3: interesting choice, yeah, because interesting. I, really also, interesting
2: choice. It was pure shock when I saw Get Out, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I, I, I you know, I think Jordan Peele is hilarious. I mean, I, 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 I loved Key and Peele, I loved their sketches. I, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I think that. I always envisioned him as a comedian, and mm. you know, I always saw the bits he would do as Obama and
3: all that kind of stuff. So when I went, God, to I love LA... the one where like some people he shakes their hands. That I meeting mean, I mean, is
0: never not funny. It's
3: so funny!
2: It's, <laughs> it's like, so great. But that's why it was such a shock when I saw Get Out for yeah. the first time. I was yeah. genuinely blown away. I sure. actually, I think Get Out's one of the greatest movies I've ever seen, and I've seen it so many times and it is better every time I watch
0: it. Well, and uh, even us, us, like if you, if, yeah. I would have assumed that Peel might've switched gears and gone for like a straight comedy after yeah. doing Get Out. But instead he went deeper into the Twilight yeah. Zone type horror stories that right. I guess he finds fascinating.
2: But it also opened up this world for me of the idea of of how similar comedy and horror are. I never mm-hmm. thought about it. Um, from a, when I, What I mean by that is from a reactionary standpoint from an audience member. Um, Comedy gets a loud laugh from you. Horror gets a scream. So mm. it's like it, it's it's they're both very extreme reactions to uh, a subject. So for me, it was like an eye opening thing to to watch somebody go down that path. I mean, I was looking at like Bradley Cooper was someone another one I was looking at, but I you know for me it wasn't that much of a stretch because Jordan Peele wasn't on screen in Get Out, so it was like mm. sure I, I just kind of felt his voice uh, through the film. So. That to me was that, I, I think that in my time That's the best thing I've ever seen From, a, from an acting to a director I'm Like sure it they... just shocked me How great he was
3: So no, on. one, gonna... no, one, no, one, no one chose uh, Tom Hanks Larry Crowne?
0: <laughs> <laughs> not only did no one here choose them uh i didn't even see them mentioned by the audience, <laughs> you see by the audience. uh jeff mayman oh, wait, went by with... the way
2: can i mention that gabe had a good one we were texting earlier oh. about greta gerwig is another yeah. good one that's a good one mm-hmm. it's
0: um, a really good um, one or olivia wilde yeah. there's like affleck some really... was
3: probably my second choice well affleck affleck was, so
0: yeah so affleck got a lot yeah. of, of, of mentions greta gerwig got a lot of mentions the reason why i don't go with them is they just haven't produced yeah. the number of films um sure. and with True. jordan peele too like i can't wait to see what else he does um t- tom hanks if he had only done that thing you do you know maybe he'd be that way thing there you do too me. yeah when i
6: was when i was chatting with kevin about it the thing that the perspective that i mentioned not that this was like the rule of the game because i know you guys get really particular about falling hills the game <laughs> um was if I'm thinking about who's my favorite, I'm thinking about who gets me the most excited right now. If I'm like, Ooh, there are movies coming out. Like sure. I agree with you, Rob Reiner from an overall perspective, mm-hmm. but if I go, okay, Greta Gerwig or Jordan Peele have a movie coming out, I'm going to be way more excited for both of those. than for I sure. am Rob. Well, Reiner, you
3: know what? When, when spinal tap two comes out, you don't get to go see it with us. <laughs> but
5: you
0: know, Reiner's Reiner's <laughs> one anyway, of the Continue, continue with the it. audience picks. Spinal tapping. Uh, Clint Eastwood and Ben Affleck got a lot of mentions. Uh, particularly sure. by Jeff Maimon. Kyle David Perry said Greta Gerwig. Uh, I have
2: a hot take, by the way. Yes. I don't know if that Eastwood's a great director. I think he's a good director. He's made great movies, but... Unforgiven, Mystic River's the best thing I think he's ever made. But I see, I'm an Unforgiven. I love Unforgiven. I just don't, I don't necessarily think to myself that Clint Eastwood's a great director.
0: I understand what you're saying. Um, Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
3: no, that, that's, I understand what that you're saying. story that I, and I know I tell, tell a lot and we laugh about it, but that story that I hear about them on the set and the DP was like, hey, if we hang out for an hour, we can get this shot with a really amazing sunset. And his response was, yeah, but in an hour I could be playing golf. <laughs> that, that like, I lose a little bit of respect for him as a director hearing that story. Sure. Sure. Because it's great, just like a great yeah. director would be like, yeah, let's hang out and get that shot. Yeah. Well, do not. I,
6: I think that's the. A a, I think it's teller. two different schools of thoughts. I think it's sure. two. I, I love that perspective from the sense of the spectrum that is filmmaking. That it's not just you need to right? P- pay attention to every detail. Not every director, you know, works on Not with everyone's yeah, not a, not not every director works with every actor very closely. Some directors don't do any of the technical, and all they do is sure. story about performance. Like, there's so much
0: this, give and take there. Well, this could be I, this is a huge conversation that we could eventually have of the definition of a director because there are a lot of times that like I define I'm a director as
3: storyteller. It sounds and like I, a bonus episode.
0: I think Clint Eastwood is dedicated this? as a storyteller. I think Clint Eastwood gets into the idea of the story. He just tells it as economically as possible but my
2: my problem with like eastwood and again i think eastwood has made great films i I just want to make sure i point that out i just think his work is a little too manipulative for me um from a from an emotional standpoint like i find million dollar baby to be extremely manipulative see i Uh, love that movie i I love it i just i just i just find his it's a
3: I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you on that, Kevin.
0: you know? What? I almost would argue that when Eastwood really succeeds, it's in spite of him.
3: <laughs> Sully's great. I like Sully a lot. Sully's good. I like Sully. I like Sully. Yeah, I, I liked, I, um I, I, uh, um. What was it? Letters from Iwo Jima and the other one that was Flags, of our, Flags, Flags of, our of our Father.
2: Yeah. Um, Mystic River though is a masterpiece. Uh, That's
0: because Dennis Lehane. Bridges of Madison County. I think he and and Meryl yeah. Streep together are tremendous in that film.
3: So I was I was with him movie. and the monkey.
0: Either uh, Any Which Way But Loose. There we go. Or Every Which Way You Can. I think they're both. He did
3: two monkey movies?
0: He did two monkey movies, yes. <laughs> Every Wait, Every Which Way But Loose and Any Which Way You Can. I believe that they are.
3: Is one a sequel to the other? Yeah. Okay, I, I know you're rapping us, but I gotta get to the <laughs> bottom of this. Clint Eastwood yeah. Monkey almost
0: trilogy. <laughs> they You guys don't remember because you were wee little ones. Those movies were huge <laughs> no oh yeah they were enormous uh at least those uh yeah i'm pretty no, sure clyde no way. clyde was the name of the monkey And they were just, I've never seen them. Oh yeah. They were like, Oh Jake, you would fucking love them because they're just like hillbilly shit kicker movies. Like I am stunned that that they didn't show them in your (laughs) elementary school growing up (laughs) because they are so totally in tune with what you would, I mean, there, there's no plot to them whatsoever. I think the plot of one of them literally is just, it builds and builds and builds because Clint Eastwood is going to have a fight with this guy in the middle of town. And then it like is a lengthy, lengthy. Why is there a monkey there? Bare knuckle fights. it. Well, he hangs out with the monkey. He drives Why? around with the orangutan. Why? Not a monkey, an orangutan. Um, that's just his, that's his best friend, Clyde. Clyde drinks beer.
3: Um, I, mean, I, I, I I I have a dog with me at all times, so I guess can't really say anything.
0: No, it's just yeah, that would be his Daenerys is is Clyde the orangutan they're phenomenal uh, movies they're phenomenal we need to do a watch party uh
3: I, sylvia barrera I swear to God, that's our next watch party
0: says ben affleck james vasquez says angelina jolie and rachel kh another tremendous pick penny marshall penny marshall is a really really good pick she's she made some phenomenal phenomenal films uh for next week reach out on twitter using all right gabe i need you to explain this one to me I hashtag do. original release blend uh, so this
6: so this is one we've talked about before, but we could never figure out a hashtag okay so for original release blend, it's a bit of an explainer, and sorry it's clunky, but it, you know the hashtag is what it is uh this is a film that if you had a time machine and could go back to the opening weekend of any okay. movie and okay. experience the opening oh, weekend yeah. God. that's the one so i will i, know, I will Clarify that it's not what could you go back in time and watch for the first time. Mm-hmm. It's it's culturally what cultural zeitgeist moment of a movie do you want to go back and be a part of again? Mm-hmm. There's I think of the I think of Jaws, <laughs> Alien, uh, uh, Star Wars, mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings. That had Kevin. Big, I think I know yours. Some recent ones are like um, Get Out
3: and Black Kevin, Panther. Those had Kevin big, is yours in black and white. It is. Yeah.
0: Oh, I know Kevin's. Okay. that's fun though this is going to be a fun conversation this is a great one no this is
3: great this is great
0: hashtag original release blend this is fun so yeah you can use that hashtag or you can email us at realblendedcentimentblend.com we have no reviews this week so if anybody feels like uh, sharing the show with a movie fan that you know would love the show please do so and then uh, oh
2: wait I I got a review for us
0: oh please Kev share it with us
2: it's from um... Kev
0: where's your mom been this is disappointing this comes
2: from C. Nolan2530. Okay. Yes. Worst streaming podcast ever. Mm,
0: fair enough. <laughs> fair but it. he's on it. Well, he was right. once. I don't know if we're going to get him again. He goes to Josh Harland's show as well as <laughs> <it went. laughs> uh, For our next premium episode, which you're going to record right now, what is it like? To interview celebrities in 2020. We're going to share some war stories. Oh, that's, uh, that's, from living in uh, Zoom happy hours and, um, and talking to, so it's it's kind of ridiculous that over the course of this year, uh, in a pandemic, we've spoken to ex- some extremely huge names. Uh, and we will explain in the premium, a premium episode why we think that has happened. So until we are back with our next episode, follow us on social media at Jake's Takes at Kevin McCarthy TV and at Sean underscore O'Connell. Follow the show at at Real Blend. And until next week... What do we say he'll at the end be, of the- he'll, he'll be. He'll Halloween! Be. Yeah. Oh, my Halloween. God. I was June so proud Squib. of that joke. I was so <laughs> no, proud of that joke. No, that
3: was a great. And I then, laughed <laughs> I laughed really hard at that joke. I am, so,
0: I am so happy to see your text message come across immediately with all of that laughter. Even just looking at this shirt, if you can read this, you're in the fart
3: zone. <laughs> That's such a it, great joke. <laughs> June Squibb deserves an Oscar for that I performance. I laughed harder at your tweet, yeah. seeing the collection of those shirts,